Well, hey, we have another privilege today. Uh, Mike and Shirley Bradley are here. Uh, we've, yeah, it's good. If you guys don't know who they are, you're about to find out. Uh, world travelers would be a good description. Uh, and so they're here. Uh, they have a home in Thomasville, Georgia. They came down, and uh, they're going to share with us uh, what's going on in their lives and what's going on in their hearts right now. Uh, so I'm super excited to hear about that. If you would, welcome them, uh, Mike and Shirley Bradley. It's a delight to be back. We miss you. We try not to compare, but it happens. Um, <clears throat> thank you for your generosity, for your love, for your prayers. He said we're going to share our hearts. You know, it's already been about three years, March the 5th, when Michael got a pacemaker. He died twice, and the solution was a pacemaker. And now that's why we come three months in and three months out, because he has to get it checked in America. They don't have the same ones in Europe. And um, when Christ came into my life in each one of yours, you gave him permission to transform your heart. So the heart's important. And I never thought I was going to use a horse to talk today, but the Lord just dropped into my spirit about Secretariat. I don't know if you remember him. He was a triple crown winner. He had a lot of weaknesses. He shouldn't have been able to do what he did, but he did it. And when he died, they did an autopsy and found out that his heart was three times the normal size. And I got to tell you, I believe God is continuing to enlarge our hearts um, the love that we have for people is what continues to move us and the love we have for God. Um, we now have the privilege to minister to, to Asians, to Africans, to people from Central America. We now have a family from the United States that's in our fellowship, people from the United Arab Emirates. And our call is to the nations and I tell you what, it's it's so much fun. I you know, God said he'd give us an abundant life. I feel like I'm just abundant. I'm rolling over because he has filled my heart with so much joy. And it's a privilege to take the gospel and help train up. We get a parent and grandparent, all these kids. They're university kids. Our town in Debertson, Hungary is a university town, two hundred and thirty thousand. And when we first started going there it was in nineteen ninety three. You didn't see black people at all. And now when you see black people, you know they're a student. And you can just freely go up and say, so what are you studying? And they tell you on the street corner, wherever, grocery store. And then I always say, so do you have a home church? And a lot of them say yes, and a lot of them say no. So come to ours, come and visit. I was privileged that one lady came. She said, I've been waiting for you to come back. She said, you gave me your card last summer. And she said, and now I know you're back. So I, and she came to church. She was in the grocery store. You know, I, it's pretty easy for me to go up to strangers because I like people. So that's what I get to do. Um, <clears throat> gray hair, it's a good color there. The Asians respect the gray hair. The, the Hungarians do. The Africans, the Turks did. So gray is good. They think you're wise when you have gray hair. And hopefully that's what we are imparting, some wisdom about who God is and how much he loves them. And one of the questions that they ask 
They wanted Bible studies on that. We meet every Friday night for a Bible study, Wednesday for prayer. And these university kids said, could you teach us more how to be living a Christ-like life in a world that is so contrary to that? They come to our house. I bake cookies like a crazy lady. I did over 50 dozen in just December. And, um, and I can't eat them anymore because I can't do dairy and gluten. So, you know, I have to trust Michael for to be the, taste, the taster. But <laughs> but we have kids come to us and share stuff that would break your heart, stuff been, that's been done to them or stuff they've done themselves by wrong choices. And they weep, and we pray, and they weep, and we pray. Sometimes these sessions are four hours up to eight hours. But in the end, when they've shared their heart, they say, I knew I could trust you with this information. I have never told anybody this. And then they say, but I watched your face. The love of Jesus was still present, even when they shared their guts. And I'm thinking, yay, God, yay, God. Because if our countenance changed and we show rejection, not acceptance, we've just negated what we said we came to do. And so I'm going to give Michael some time to talk. I tried to stay a little bit on my notes because otherwise I could be here for a long time. But we love you guys. Thanks for sending us. Good morning, church. Before I share with you, uh, we'd just like to, to do a PowerPoint, uh, if, if Clayton is at all set up. Yeah. I meant to say last night, Rick is showing us on his phone the family over and over. We're loving it. And so today, you get to see our family there that's part of your family, too.
Praise God. You've heard it said, something lost in the translation. Well, in converting this from um, PC to Apple, um, somehow the text boxes uh, just kind of evaporated. So uh, I'm sorry for that. Uh, but hopefully, at least spirit to spirit, you got a sense of, uh, of something of what God is doing. I didn't expect it to hit me like that. Not, <laughs> not the loss of the text boxes, but... Uh, <laughs> Just seeing those that we have come to love and have been uh, challenged so greatly. In 2012, in October of 2012, we were still in, in uh, Istanbul, Turkey. Shirley was teaching at IGA uh, in Istanbul, and uh, where Scott and Nikki were also teachers. And uh, we had the opportunity during a, a break to, uh, to go to Debertson, which is uh, a city that we have a long history with. We, we started going to Debertson, Hungary in 1993. And it was there uh, in a three-and-a-month, uh, three-and-a-half-month stay working with another American missionary that we were helping going through a transition in their ministry that God called us out of pastoral ministry in the States uh, to missions ministry, and um, it's been a marvelous journey, a marvelous journey. I, uh, like Tom, like so many that I know, Shirley and I, you know, stand before you as a gray wave. Um, we stand before you as a, as a generation that has, has been called by God into the mission field. Um, I don't really know a lot of Tom's story, but I know that some of you probably do as you've had time with him and they've shared with you, he has shared with you uh, his story and his journey of faith. But I know in my case, uh, you know, I came kicking and screaming into ministry. Um, if you ever want to see a guy that was unqualified, that, uh, that, that should not be in ministry. Uh, I'm your man this morning. Uh, for I truly am uh, an ordinary man in the hands of an extraordinary God. I'm uh, I'm amazed at uh, at how God just structures things. And uh, to come here this morning, um, I did as I, as I always do when I have the opportunity to teach. And uh, I went before the Lord and I said, God, what do you want me to say? What, what can I give these people? Father, that would be your word, your life. And, uh, and God so faithfully meets me at that point of need. And, and uh, he took me to an unusual place. Um, 
I'm not a big Oswald Chambers guy. Some of you I know, you know, love him, and every morning you, as a part of your devotional time, you'll open up and find out what, what God has to say through him for that day. But uh, I received this as, as a gift from some, from some guys that I'm meeting with in Tampa at, uh, or not Tampa, goodness, Thomasville. Where am I? What day is this? Um, I just turned 69, so give me a break. <laughs> but I, I meet with a, a group of guys uh, in Thomasville at 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, any of you guys, anybody that knows me knows that I am not a morning person. I am a night owl, uh, you know. And for me to get up and uh, be functional at 7 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, is a divine thing. <laughs> uh, there's something very much God about it. But I, I have been meeting with these guys since I got to Thomasville. And... Uh, these guys come from a, a bunch of different strains of the body of Christ. I mean, we have Baptists, we have Methodists, we have Presbyterians, uh, we have Charismatics. And, uh, and this group was formed some 15 years ago. I mean, there's still, there's still, still some plank owners, some guys that were there from the beginning that are still a part of that group. And the group just continues to evolve and, and grow and diminish and grow and diminish and and uh, one of the things that they like to do, uh, we come together for the specific purpose of studying the Word. Uh, we choose a book together out of the Bible and verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Uh, we go through it and share as God uh, shares with us what He's saying. And it's, it's, it's a delightful time. And one of the things that they do in the beginning is, is they read Oswald Chambers, and I kind of go ho-hum. And, uh, you know, wait for that to get finished, and, you know, we get on to something important. But as I was, <laughs> sorry if, if you were really, you know, if you're really big into chambers. Uh, he just kind of, you know, he's, he's up here somewhere. And, uh, and so we, we very seldom connect. But as I was praying and asking God, God, what do you want me to, to focus on today? Uh, I just I just sensed that I needed to open Oswald Chambers <laughs> of all places, you know, and and at that time I had a birthday coming up, and I was just kind of curious, you know, kind of the, the the spiritual horoscope thing, <laughs> you know, uh, you know people read their horoscopes. Well, I you know I turned to the Word of God in a, in a, in a in a you know a devotional and and kind of read that thought for the day. And so I, I looked ahead to see what, what was going to be talked about by Oswald Chambers on the 3rd of February. And I began to read. And, and I did not discover until I got to the bottom of the page that I was actually reading February the 4th, not February the 3rd, which is my birthday. You know, do you, you see God at work here? You know, do you, do, you, do you get a more of a sense of how ordinary I am? How extraordinary that this, this is, that God would allow me to speak to someone about his love. But 
the Spirit of God hit me. I mean, just wow, slam dunked me. And, and as we start this morning, I would, I would like to just simply ask you to help me define a word. Would you do that with me? Would you be interactive? One of the things I loved about Pastor Dave was the fact that, you know, he drew you in. I mean, you either volunteered or he volunteered you. you know? we've, all, we've all been there, right? Well, this morning, I'd, I'd like to do that for a few minutes. And the word is the word compelled. Compelled. When you hear that word, would, would you be willing to stand up, you know, one at a time and just tell me what that word means to you? There is no right or wrong answer. I'm not asking you for, for Webster's definition. I'm asking for your definition. When you hear the word compelled, what does that mean to you? Would somebody, would you stand up and, I have 69-year-old ears, so would you, and, and they've been ringing since 1972, so would you, would you say that loudly, please? The urge to keep moving forward, thank you. Let me ask you a question, sir. Do you see that applied to your life, and, and would you be brave enough briefly to just share an example of that, how, how that impacts you? Praise God. Thank you. And by the way, welcome. And I'm so glad that you found Lakeland Vineyard. Praise God. Praise God. Someone else. Compelled. No peace until I obey. Do you see that applied to your life? And, and, and would you be willing to just share? I mean, don't feel that you have to, but would you, would you have an example? Oh, shame on you. Thank you. Thank you. I saw other hands. Pardon.
Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. you someone else yes amen and do you, do you see application of that in you praise God is, is there one short example that you'd like to share or don't feel you have to but if you want to Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we, we get a sense here of, of what that word means. And there, there just seems to be, you know, a commonality of understanding and, and application. It's often something beyond ourselves, outside of the norm, but we just cannot turn loose. You know, Chambers... He defined this in the life of Paul very powerfully, I think. He says, Paul said that he was overpowered, subdued, and held as in a vice by the love of Christ. I just got to. I just got to. There's just, there's just no other way. What am I talking about this morning? You know, Andy, I almost jumped out of my seat when you when you said, "Okay, I didn't give you last week the verses that, for whatever reason, you're going to be focusing on." Our text this morning comes from Second Corinthians, chapter five, <laughs> starting at verse fourteen. I heard you, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen to what Paul shares with us. For Christ's love compels us. You know, as I was reading Chambers, I just suddenly went, ooh. 
don't know. Is that, you know, is that true? Is that true? Am I compelled this morning by the love of Christ? I mean, you know, that that's up close and personal. Oh, love that will not let me go. If you want to, if you want to understand about what motivated Paul to become the man of God that he became after he was Saul for so many years and was transformed from a persecutor of the church of Christ to being a vanguard leader. I think that you have to understand that this was a key. I don't have any choice. For you see, I have been touched by the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I will never, ever be the same. Christ's love compels us, you know, and and thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, as, as I sat there meditating on that and reflecting on my own life and my own senses of inadequacy that I think, you know, as we do inventory on occasion, we go, oh, wow, how far have I missed the mark? But, but the Holy Spirit began to just simply remind me of the journey of faith that my Father who loves me has carried me on for so many years, so patiently, so lovingly, so adamantly, not willing to turn me loose, even as I kicked and screamed and says, yes, God, but... Somehow the but and what followed it was the defining point of my life at that point instead of, yes, God. Time and time again as, as he has, you know, taken me into that, that place in faith where I know it is beyond me. You know, one of the things that I have discovered, and I've shared with you before, but it's worth saying again because it is so true and we need to understand it, and the more that we understand it, the easier this is going to be, is the fact that God will never leave you within the context of what you can do in and of yourself. He will always 
He will always take you beyond you. And at that point, at that point where we realize, I can't take that next step. Because there's nothing left of me. I can't do this. And we hear that familiar voice whisper in our ears. And he says, I love you. I never intended for you to do it by yourself. Now will you take my hand and come with me and we will do this together. And you go to places like Papua New Guinea and you translate scriptures into a language that you have never known before, that has never been written down before among a people who have never heard the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or you step out of a car. Where did Dawn go? She steps, don't worry, Lord. You step out of a car, and you just got to go and, and, and talk to a woman you've never met before and share something that God has dropped into your heart. You know, Shirley knows no stranger. I've heard it said of her. She could talk to a fence post, and it would answer. And I really believe that. She's amazing. You know, it's not safe to take her into a restaurant. She'll get up out of her table and walk over and sit down in somebody else's table with her fork <laughs> and offer to sample their dessert. She can't stand seeing someone sitting at a table by themselves. And we'll probably go over and say, are you eating alone by choice? Or would you like to, would you like to have somebody eat with you? Would you like to come join me? And in that divine moment, that stranger who's looking at someone they've never seen before is totally disarmed and is suddenly spilling out the reason why they're alone. My husband just died. My husband is in the hospital. We were down on a, on a trip, on a vacation, and, and my husband suddenly collapsed. I don't, I don't know whether he's going to make it. He's going to live. He's going to make it. Divine appointment, compelled by the Spirit of God, that takes us beyond us, takes us beyond the familiar, takes us beyond what is comfortable. Young people, you know, as Tom was sharing, I was, I'm going, you know, we're still waiting. We're still looking for who's going to take our place. And for the life of me, I cannot understand why I don't have a queue that's a thousand person deep 
that just can't wait for us to say, okay, we're, we're too old to do this anymore. It's your turn. But one of the sad things about the American church, beloved, is that is exactly what has happened. Gray Wave, I would ask you today, where is your Timothy? Where is your Ruth? Where is the person that has come alongside of you that said, can I walk with you for a while? Would you teach me? Would you equip me? As Shirley shared with you, you know, one of the things that, that, that concerned me after we came back from Hungary in October of 2012, and I looked at the possibility of what God was, was potentially calling us into, and I said to Shirley, I said, but at that time I was, what, a young man of 64. <laughs> I'm, I'm going, but will they listen to me? Will they receive from me? Not understanding that the culture of those young people respect gray hair. It is the sign of experience and wisdom and life lived. It is a reservoir from which to draw, to understand things, to possibly not make the same mistake. We have become mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, aunt and uncle. You name a relationship name and, and we're, we're it. It's marvelous. It's marvelous to watch. I have never seen young people who are so hungry to hun understand who they are in Christ, quite honestly. And that is, that is taking nothing from you this morning. but I have never seen young people that wanted to know who they are in God, how to put their faith on and walk it out, that are so transparent, that are so desirous. They come in as strangers off the street, new to the country, hear about a church where there are international students come, to our fellowship, roll up their shirt sleeves and say, what can I do? How can I serve? College kids who will come for two hours on a Wednesday night to pray and who will come back on a Friday night, college kids on a Friday night for another two hours to be in fellowship and study the Word of God together. I don't know about you, but I want to be there. I want to do this. I mean, it is, it is a discipler's dream. It is a discipler's I've died and gone to heaven. Because they will just suck you dry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, give them a dozen cookies. They're good for another two hours. <laughs> 
Oh, how we love these kids and how they love us back. And you know, I, I cannot get a single person to come to Deverton. I do not understand that. I do not understand that. For I personally have never been in a situation where I have seen such hunger. Think about it with me for a moment. These young people, these, these, the parents of these young people are sending their sons and their daughters to university at the age as young as 16 years old. Can you imagine sending your 16-year-old to university in another continent? But the hope and dream and the future of those parents as they are with you as parents is wrapped up in those kids. The desire to see them excel, to be more than you were or are or ever think that you can be. The desire that they would receive an education in a safer place than back home. greatest challenge that we have is the hope that by the time that they graduate that God can, can speak into their hearts and take them back home. For I truly believe that we are sowing into the next generation of leaders in medicine, in dentistry, in pharmacy, in engineering, and in business. That these kids have the possibility and the capability. This, was, this is what God laid upon our hearts when we got there. He said, you've got these kids from two to six years. In that span of time, I want you to sow into their lives so that they know who they are in Christ, so that they know what their spiritual gifting is, so that they know how to function in the body of Christ within the context of that gifting, so that by the time that they graduate from college, I can send them anywhere, and they will be matured and equipped and be able to walk into whatever situation I choose to put them in as believers who knew, know who they are in Christ. I'll tell you what, that nearly scared me to death. But what a possibility. What an opportunity. And what a fertile ground in which to sow the life of God Won't you come to Devertson? I'm telling you, they will, they will suck you dry like a 10-year-old kid with a milkshake. They will not turn loose of you until they've got every ounce of spiritual life that they can pull out of you. Paul says, for Christ's love compels us. Is that true this morning? Is that true in your heart and life this morning? Because we are convinced that one died for all. 
and therefore I'll die. Jesus paid it all, beloved. You and I know that. That outside the walls of this building are multitudes of people who have not recognized that to be the ultimate truth. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. All right, Paul, you've stopped preaching and gone to meddling. What do you mean I'm not supposed to live for myself? You got it. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt when I heard it. (laughs) No longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. Do you think Christ has not received the right to demand that of us? Do you think that which we have received of him is not worthy of us saying, God, I I surrender. I submit to your lordship. God, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what I would do. But God, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to send me, I will follow you with all my heart. Just don't let go of my hand because I'm scared because I have no idea what this is going to cost. Hallelujah. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that marvelous? Have you discovered that yet? He will not let go of you. Because he never intended for you to do it by yourself. We should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. marvelous adventure of faith. What a tremendous opportunity to be who we were created to be in the supernatural realm of joining with the God of the universe in what he wants to do and who he wants to be in and through us. Let that rattle around in your heart. I I see a hand. Uh, English would would be a good start. German would be even better. And Hungarian, Magyar, would be the best.
But we have, yeah, we are the village idiots when it comes to language. How ordinary is that? When I get to heaven, one of the questions I'm going to ask why is, why did you not give us the ability to really learn language well? But you know what? The marvelous truth is that has not been an impediment for the work that God has called us to do. Amen. You see, I have come to respect the fact that I can be who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can go where God wants to send me. Because it's not about me. It's about Him. You see? For far too long, we say, yes, but. And we draw a line in the sand and we give the logical reasons why I cannot do it now. And most of them make a whole lot of sense. And, and there would be people around us that would go, yeah, 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 yeah of course, yeah. Well, maybe later. But beloved, what God is God saying to you now? Young people, young people, God has not done this just to my generation, but he has called each generation in succession. Beloved young people, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, what would God do in your life if you just simply said, I don't know where, where, where the money would come from. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And God says, I know, but I do. And the only thing I want is you. I'll bring the rest. I'll do the rest. And you're talking to a guy that has watched that being lived out for more than 25 years in missions. And I still shake my head and say, wow. What a miracle. And I'm getting old. <laughs> I mean, Shirley will be 70 in September. Isn't that marvelous? Oh. But you know, we got married in 1969. Now we're both 69. And my word for the year 
is expectancy. I don't know what God's going to do, but I know he's not through with us. And we're not techie. We don't even do Facebook. We're of the Cold War generation. There's like too much information out there. But, you know, I do read e-books. I read emails. I'm not very good at answering them, but I do read them. But e-cards, Michael sends them. But the E, the E that's really important is Emmanuel, God in us, God with us. Amen. Praise God. There are tons of other stuff I'd like to share with you, but, you know, uh, I know it's important to beat the, uh, you, won't, you won't beat the Methodist. Uh, there's still a chance you'll beat the Baptist through Applebee's today. So let me just be obedient to what God is prompting in my spirit. You've heard our hearts, and I think you're hearing God's heart. What would God do in you today? What, would, what is God speaking to you today? Are you willing to lay down the butt and say, God, I trust you with the butt? I, I don't know how you're going to work that out, but, you know, that's real in my life, so... I give that to you. That's your problem now. I just wanna I just wanna join you. Would you do that with Jesus today? Would you say that to God today in your heart, in your life? Yes. And and just leave it at yes. Yes. I will follow you. Pray with me. Father, how precious. God, this congregation is to Shirley and I. Not simply because, because they have been selfless supporters, God, of your ministry in us for so many years. But God, we have been joined heart and soul with them for so many years. We esteem them highly in the Lord. We ask you, God, that you would continue to empower them to grow in grace and their knowledge of you. God, that they would not be afraid to say yes, even though they understand that, that they cannot make it happen, that it's okay. Because the one who calls them is faithful, and he will do it. So, Father, we, we bow the knee. We surrender to you today and say, God, if you want to do it, it's okay with me. Father, I, I, I hope that you would hear each heart and each person purposefully, consciously saying that to you. God, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do it, but, but I, I, I feel and sense your nudging. I hear you screaming in my ear. Father, bless these precious brothers and sisters in Christ and grow your church. God, grow your church to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name.